Good morning, everyone. Two uh, very smart and holy people helped me prepare today's homily. A 10-year-old and a 12-year-old. Preparing a homily is always difficult. But at the same time, it is something that a 10-year-old and a 12-year-old could easily do. In fact, one of my friends sent me a message once. He said, your homilies are so bad, I can prepare better homilies in my sleep. He said, I said to him, that's exactly how I prepare mine. So we're all good. Preparing a homily is actually difficult because the first step is always to appreciate the text in its original context. Because the New Testament was written 2,000 years ago in a world, a society with a lot of customs and expectations that we don't necessarily share. We sometimes think we understand the words, but we always have to remember that our understanding of every word or concept is based on our experience of the world we live in rather than on the world, the, in the world that with the, world, the text was written. For example, in today's gospel, we heard this statement. His master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all he had and payment to be made. This concept of someone being able to sell someone else and his whole family for a debt is not how our legal system works. It's not something we read about. It's not something that any of us have ever experienced. The closest possibly would be a foreclosure or a bankruptcy, perhaps even followed by jail time if there was some crime involved. However, what happened in, to the man in today's gospel was more severe than anything we can imagine or anything that we experience. This aspect of today's gospel is actually very complex. We could actually spend many days, months, and years trying to appreciate the ancient customs of, and the, the, legal, the legalities of justice and rights. However, the other aspects of today's gospels, today's gospel that focus on mercy, on forgiveness, on compassion, can be easily figured out by anyone, even a 10-year-old or a 12-year-old child, or even younger, a 6-year-old. But sometimes we, who are much older, have a hard time figuring it out. If we don't have time to figure out the more complex aspects of the Bible, we should at least focus on the aspects we can apply to our life. In other words, the, word, the Bible is a living word. It's not a dead letter. It's a living word that we try to apply to everything in our life. My biblical exercise with these two young children started with how we can change some of St. Paul's questions in his letter to the Corinthians that we read today into statements. It's nice to rearrange words sometimes in order to read them anew. We started with this exercise. Who plants a vineyard and does not eat of the fruit? So how would you re rearrange this sentence to form it, to make it a statement rather than a question? One way is to change it to, if you plant a vineyard, you can eat of its fruit. This exercise is important because when we read scripture, we should try to look at the text from as many angles as possible and in many angles of application. 
This helps us realize that the passages we often read over quickly are in fact very rich, even the very short ones. We need time to read them, to reflect on them, to digest them, and of course, and most importantly, to apply them. If we were to go deeper into St. Paul's epistle, we would realize that there are 10 rhetorical questions which are meant to help us reflect more deeply on the point that St. Paul is trying to make. I won't focus on all 10, but I will focus on two to give us an example. The first is the one I mentioned above, and the second is, who tends a flock and does not drink of the flock's milk? The first question can be changed into the statement, if you plant a vineyard, you can eat of its fruit. The second can be changed into a similar statement, if you tend the flock, you can drink of the flock's milk. This may seem obvious if we keep playing around with these statements, then we begin to discover even more ways of appreciating the various aspects of the text. But more importantly, perhaps you might say, well, who cares? Within this over-analysis, aren't we making the text into something a little obscure? Quite the contrary. Our goal when we read the Bible is to understand the original context and also to find ways that we can apply that to a new context, which is our life. Therefore, let's keep rearranging these two questions and see what more we come up with. If you plant a vineyard, you can and you should eat of its fruit. Or perhaps flip it around into the negative. If you don't plant a vineyard, you cannot eat of its fruit. And the other verse, if you tend the flock, you can drink of the flock's milk. How about if you don't tend the flock, you cannot drink of the flock's milk. We can, of course, come up with other variants, but what we have so far is enough before we move to the important application stage. How are we going to apply these texts to our daily life despite the fact that most of the food we eat and all the, all the milk we drink comes not from our cows in our backyard, but from a grocery store. Today we can eat fruit even if we don't plant anything, and we can drink milk even if we don't have any livestock. Therefore, we might think, well, the logic of this epistle doesn't apply to us. But the basic point that St. Paul is making has to do with actions and consequences, and these, of course, do apply to us in so many ways. In brief, we can summarize what St. Paul is saying as, if we work hard, we have a right to enjoy what we work for. However, at other levels, he is also saying that if we do not work hard, we will not have anything to enjoy. Let us look a little bit at how this applies to our life. It is very important to take a spiritual, moral, intellectual, and general inventory of where we are today, everything in our life. What things are we enjoying in our life, and how did we achieve these things? Write them down, perhaps. Or, today, 
when you leave church, sitting around having lunch, instead of talking about a lot of other things, talk about the things, especially parents, of where you are today and how you got there. And help children focus on the things that they have done well and how they got to the, to the place where they are because of their hard work. Also, focus on the negative. Not to concentrate exclusively in a sense of putting us, ourselves down or discouraging us or putting our family members down, but it's also important to focus on this other side of St. Paul's logic. What important things should we have achieved in our life but did not because of oversight, because of laziness, or simply because of neglect? We can start by questioning any aspect of our life. For example, how is my relationship with my husband or wife? How is my relationship with my children? How is my relationship with my brothers and sisters, with my neighbors, with those who may have been friends, or those who today are friends? Is it good? If so, how did things work out to be so good? Is it full of troubles? How did things go so bad? Things don't just happen. Trees don't just appear. Things don't just pop up out of the ground. Milk doesn't just appear on our tables. There is cause, there is effect in the things we see around us. And even more importantly, there is cause and effect in our spiritual life. Some people live in the delusion that there is absolutely no connection between action and consequence. If there's a problem, it's someone else's fault. If I get a speeding ticket, it's the police officer or the car or my mother who called me on the phone. We're easy to justify all these things in our life but fail to look at our weaknesses and the causes of our failure or success. Some students say, I don't work very hard, yet I get good grades. So it seems that there is, a, there is no connection between working hard and getting good grades. The problem with that thinking is actually very basic. It's that you are not working hard on a topic that actually is not very hard when you're in grade four or five or six. However, if you keep not working very hard when the topic gets a little more complicated, then you will not have built up the skill to do well in something that is actually difficult. Furthermore, no healthy relationship develops and nothing good in life just happens. Everything in this world, whether good or bad, falls under the law of cause and effect. St. Paul's letter focuses on two examples, but when we should not, but we should not limit ourselves to these. The real level of application of scripture that we need to work at is to keep changing the original questions that St. Paul asked to help us focus on what we are planting spiritually, what we are planting physically what we are planting emotionally, relationally, intellectually, and in every other aspect of our life. So we can ask ourselves, 
If we do not read the Bible or other spiritual books, how will we acquire spiritual knowledge? If we are not careful with what we spend, how will we have enough for tomorrow? If we do not spend time with our children and our family, how will our children grow and how will our relationships grow? If we do not respect each other, how will they respect us? It does not matter whether these questions are statements or on the positive or on the negative. If we need help changing the questions into statements, changing the verse around, perhaps we can ask a 10-year-old or a 12-year-old. But what matters more and what we need more help with is how our actions of yesterday got us to the blessings or the difficulties that we are living today. In many aspects of our life, we have broken the cause and the effect link. We don't drink milk. We drink milk even if we don't have cows. And we eat food even if we don't have a garden. The cause and effect connection may no longer be relevant in our society today for eating and drinking, but it is still relevant, if not even more relevant, for every other aspect of our spiritual and moral life. We should always ask ourselves the bigger question of where today's actions are leading us tomorrow and where yesterday's actions have led us today. Our spiritual growth starts now with good decisions and, creep, and keeps growing to lead us to the right cons consequences for tomorrow. Even a 10 or 12 year old can begin to see the connection. And for us, that is even more important to be alert that the blessings that we live today are multiplied and grow in every aspect of our life tomorrow.